right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for the Virginia Association of School Librarians Member Spotlight Podcast. My name is Heather Murphy, and I am the membership chairperson. And this podcast is the podcast that shines the spotlight on Virginia school librarians and the amazing work that's being done each and every day to support student learning, literacy, and so much more. And I am thrilled today to welcome Heather Thomas from our York region. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Excellent. Well, Heather joins us from Allenton Elementary School, and she is in Virginia Beach. She is a library and media specialist there, and she also holds a master's in library media pre-K through 12. Do you mind if I ask where you got your endorsement, your library media endorsement? Sure, Old Dominion University. Old Dominion. We as librarians, as leaders and forerunners in virtual and 24-7 spaces, we learned way before coronavirus came onto the scene because we did a lot of learning ourselves through hybrid and online learning. Tell us a little bit about the Old Dominion program and what appealed, uh, appealed to you so much about it. So I was in one of the original cohorts that um, my degree, I got it completely online. Um, we actually only went one time face-to-face in my two years uh, that I got the certification. Um, but yeah, so it was all online and it was really difficult, but I will say that it totally prepared me for my job, but it was an arduous two years and because I still worked full-time. I was a first grade teacher, uh, so I worked full-time. I had twin toddlers, and so basically I put them to bed at 8 o'clock, and then from about 8 to midnight for two years, I was uh, working on my master's degree, but best decision I ever made. It was totally worth it. Congratulations. Gracious. That that does show the perseverance and the dedication that um, a program like that takes, so it kind of leads me to think about all of the uh, teachers who are struggling out there and feeling a little defeated when it comes to students who are or are not participating in the online activities and lessons that have been planned, that we just kind of keep the faith, keep the faith, because it is not an easy thing to do. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about you, wait to talk about and share with our listeners all of the renovations that you've done and the program that you have. But before we get there, um, I wanted to share with our listeners that we are featuring Heather because she has been voted the Librarian of the Year from the York Vassal region. And the Librarian of the Year is the librarian who is demonstrating the most outstanding contribution to her learning community and um, both in the building, outside the building, and in the global arena. So I want to just congratulate you first of all. So congratulations for being voted amongst your peers. And I know that that is um, something that means a great deal to you. Do you want to speak to that just a moment? Absolutely. I work in Virginia Beach City Public Schools and we have about 90 schools in our district. Um, We have some amazing library media specialists uh, that I work with. So we we definitely collaborate all the time and they make me better and hopefully I make them better, but um, it's definitely a collaborative effort with us. You know, it's hard being the only, you know, library media specialist in your building, um, especially for elementary. We're the only one. Um, secondaries, uh, like middle and high, sometimes they have two. 
Um, so they can kind of bounce ideas around with each other. But us middle school ladies are, well, actually, I shouldn't say all ladies. We actually have um, three or four men now, which is amazing. Um, so we definitely are always, you know, during this pandemic, especially, we've been like FaceTiming, Zooming all the time, um, you know, emailing constantly, texting, uh, just keeping in contact, keeping up with um, all our kind of teacher toolbox things that we need to help the teachers right now. So you've mentioned before that you were a first grade teacher when you started that program at Old Dominion. So what what was that catalyst? What was that incentive or that spark that made you decide to pursue librarianship? So I taught first grade for 10 years uh, at Cook Elementary in Virginia Beach, and I absolutely loved, loved my job. Um, it, when I, in 2006, I had twins, boy and a girl, um, and I kept working, and I just kind of thought, like, at that point in my life, I needed some kind of change, and what I loved about being a first grade teacher, I, you know, I loved the kids, I loved teaching, I loved the aspect of seeing them grow so much in reading, um, and, um, I loved the technology part of it. I always called myself an entertainer as being a first grade teacher um, because, you know, to capture those little first grade babies' uh, attention, you have to, you know, always be on your toes, always going. Um, so I used a lot of technology. So um, we had a new library media specialist that started our school and she was very techy and just we very much clicked. And anyway, she inspired me to want to get my master's and pursue this thing. And like I said, I did it, kept teaching full-time first grade, uh, was a mom when I got home, put those kids to bed. And, you know, every night I would work on my master's degree. And for two years, um, I did that. I got it done. And again, it was the best decision I made. I absolutely love this job. It's given me a renewed sense of purpose. Um, I love changing people's mindset about what a modern library is and what it looks like. Um, that's just totally me. I just, I love it. Do you still keep in contact with her? Yes. She's actually one of my uh, cohort of ladies. We uh, are always texting and keeping up with each other. Amy, really. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's awesome because it it does take our, our, um, the cohort, the brain hive, the, the people to keep us inspired and encouraged. Um, Absolutely. So how long have you been a librarian? So this is uh, year 10. I'm finishing year 10 now. Okay, so you've seen some evolution in the, in the business. So yes. when you came into librarianship, you were already techie and you were inspired by um, the technology aspect of that. What, has anything changed in librarianship since you started? So I walked into a space that um, every time people would come in, like they would just kind of approach me like um, they didn't know what to think of me. Um, but I definitely jumped right in. Um, I started collaborating immediately with teachers and, um, you know, I had a full teaching load. Um, I started developing a maker space. Um, we were a happy place. People would come in. I'd ask my library meet assistant. I'm like, as soon as kids come in, I want you to greet them. How can you help them? What are they here for, for today? Um, I just kind of transformed, um, the space and, and it was a place that kids came in and smiled. They were welcomed. Um, and it was a full teaching space. I'm curious about your space. When you mention um, a full teaching schedule, 
do you have a fixed, a flex, a, a mix of a fixed and flex schedule? So my very first year, um, my principal wasn't sure how it would work out. He wasn't aware of like the flexible schedule. He was only into or knew um, a fixed schedule. So I begged him, please let me try fix. This is what I know. I just come into library school. I know this is best practice. So he told me, let's try it his way for a year and do the, um, the fixed schedule. And he said, if people take to me and, and come for lessons and um, it seems to be going well, then he would consider it the following year. Um, well, needless to say, the uh, first year I did have a fixed schedule, but the next year and um, for the last nine years, I've had a totally uh, flexible schedule. Um, I have no problem getting people in for lessons um, at all. I collaborate monthly with the teachers and we um, think of ways to enhance their lessons. Um, so, yeah, I don't have problem getting teachers to come in and um, me teaching the, I really feel like I am teaching the kids, but I'm teaching the teachers also because a lot of times teachers aren't, they don't have time to think of and create these like elaborate technical uh, lessons, but you know, that's my expertise and that's what I'm into. So I'm happy to um, kind of model it for the, the teachers, but you know, using the kids to do that. So. Well, congratulations. It sounds like you made a, quite the impression on both your principal and your faculty. What about the things that you teach your students? So it's important to teach them, you know, how to use the library and the different library skills and also the tech tools that you are um, so comfortable and excited about. But what about other types of things? Are there other things that rank very highly on the things that you think uh, students should learn. So one of my my favorite lessons to teach, and I teach it at the beginning of the year, and then I come back around um, and teach it again, kind of spiral during the school year, that it's all about information and media literacy. Um, you know, every single year when I'm doing my intros to the kids in school from kindergarten to fifth grade, you ask them about, you know, anybody ever heard of YouTube? Anybody ever heard of, you know, um, Instagram, Facebook? you know everybody's heard of it and the kids are using it even though you know they're not supposed to use it until 13 you know we have kids as young as kindergarten who have these um, platforms so teaching them early about what they post um, is so important in their digital footprint you know if we can start them in elementary school knowing everything they're posting is following them throughout their lives um, it's really important and we have um, we've partnered with some people in the community um, some businesses um, that the kids know of, um, a popular pizza place down the street. Um, but they have a media person um, that when they hire people from the cooks to the, you know, um, front hostesses, to the wait staff, everybody, they look up their name and they see their digital footprint. Um, so we kind of tie that in with the kids. So they have some kind of connection. Like, you know, the library media specialist isn't just telling you guys this for, for fun. Um, it's really serious and to be careful what they're posting. You're bringing the real world right to them. Yes, definitely. When it comes to uh, the lessons that you teach and the interactions you have with faculty and staff, what do you find most fulfilling? So I am super lucky. Um, my I, This is my second principal as a um, library media specialist that I work for, I, but both my principals, they've been extremely forward thinking and they have allowed, um, we call it the technology um, 
or my current principal calls it the innovation team, and that consists of me, the library news specialist, and my instructional technology specialist. So once a month, we collaborate with every single grade level for an hour, and, um, and it's during the school school day, so it's not after school, it's actually set time. And um, before that collaboration, we send out a Google form to ask, you know, what objectives are coming up? Are there any tech skills they need to know? Um, how can we help them? Um, then my instructional technology specialist and I, we meet together um, for a few hours to pre-plan before we go into the collaboration. And so we have our ideas ready to go. Um, and as soon as we sit down with them, we kind of hash out, here's what we're thinking, what do you guys think? And we set the lessons, we set the role in the lesson, who's teaching what. Um, it's, it's really worked out fantastic for us. And as a matter of fact, we've actually had about um, 30 schools or school districts come to visit us to see uh, kind of how that whole thing works with the collaboration and um, implementing our classes. So we're very, very proud of what we do. It sounds like what you've done is you've built a, uh, a, a tailored professional development. Um, and this model that you've developed is so flexible and that really speaks to your, your library schedule being flexible. This would not oh, yes. be possible if you were on a fixed schedule. Absolutely not. I really am so fortunate for my administrators who, you know, make that a priority for my instructional technology specialist and I to, um, to meet with them every month. Um, we're on a rotation. So one week they'll meet with a reading specialist, the next it's the math specialist, and the next it's our innovation team. So, you know, it is a priority. And, you know, who better to teach all these you know, information literacy skills and technology skills, you know, that's what we do. That's what we know. So I think we're, we're utilized very well in that way. Yeah. And um, the model of an integrative instructional coaching team is you have built a powerhouse and uh, it sounds like the teachers, um, I, has this been going on the whole time you've been there? Did it start a couple of years into, have you worked with this instructional technologist very long? So my, uh, my current instructional technology specialist, she's a dynamo. She's amazing. Farrah Faust. Um, she has been, we've been together five years. Five years. Um, it, and she actually was at the school I taught at previously when I was a first grade teacher. So we have um, kind of a background relationship. Um, but before that, um, I, my previous principal, we started it um, the last probably two years that he was there. So at least seven years, we've had, kind of had this model going at the school. So it's not something, you know, the teachers don't dread coming into collaboration with us. It's really, you know, everybody working together to do what's best for the kids. Yeah, because they're learning right alongside the kids, it sounds like as well. Absolutely. And like I said, we, uh, Fair and I never have, like, we never want or are begging teachers to sign up for lessons. It is, again, we have a full schedule for we're always on the go. That's amazing. So how did these 30 plus schools who've come in to observe you, how did they find out about you? Um, I guess word of mouth. Um, uh, my, um, my library media um, coordinator, uh, Kelly Miller, mm -hmm. um, I was always telling her about the things we were doing and how excited I was, come out and visit. Um, and then you know, when I got um, Farah, the instructional technology specialist, when we started teaming together and she's such a dynamo and, you know, 
I started Makerspace, like right when it was starting to be like, nobody had really heard of Makerspace and I wanted to start it. And I remember my principal saying, you know, I don't understand. What is this? I'm like, just let me try it. Let me do it. Um, what the thing about Makerspace to me, why it was so pivotal in my library media, I guess, career is that it changed the mindset of what a library was. Like we actually even changed the name of our space to, um, instead of calling it a library, we call it a library learning commons because we're not just a place that, you know, shelves and houses the books. We are a place of instruction. We have space for kids, like small group and um, small, small group work. We have a reading lounge with soft seating, you know, couches, chairs, um, stools. We've got our, a huge maker space section. So we are so much more than, um, you know, a typical library. So that's why we're the Library Learning Commons now. I want to learn more about your renovation because I, I feel like you started your makerspace really early on, like in the first year or so you were at your school. Did the, how did the renovation come about and did that encourage the makerspace, um, both the physical space and then also funding some of the um, items you, you share with students? So when I started years ago, I, when I did it, I put a message out to the PTA and I asked for all those you know, little things that would help build our makerspace. You know, I started with the, you know, the Legos, the craft supplies, things like that. And I had a huge, um, even though we're a 40% free and reduced school, I, we have a very active PTA. I, everything I asked for, I got. And so I was like, Hey, I think I'm on to something. So, um, you know, the next year I'd ask for a little more and you people who can give can give. Um, but we did not have designated makerspace uh, place in our um, library at the time just because the way it was configured so we were on top of bookshelves we were you know on the floor we, we were all over the place um, and when my current principal came about five years ago I just remember saying to her you know we are expanding so much we're teaching so much it was kind of like an organized chaos thing happening and um, I just I asked her I said something has to change you know can we I need tables like that are on wheels so I can move the space around a lot. Like I envisioned like bookcases totally like removed and gone and reconfigured. Um, and she basically told me there was, that's awesome. That's a great idea, Heather, but there is no money for that. There's no budget. Um, and we'd have to do what we could do. So um, I'm fortunate that I also uh, make a lot in my book fairs. We do two a year. So we slowly got, um, got some more like technology things for Makerspace. Um, but it was funny about six months after I told her my grand ideas about wanting to change the space, kind of change the layout, get some new furniture. Um, and when she told me there's no budget for it, there was a division wide email that came out from our superintendent, Aaron Spence, um, who also is very forward thinking. And, um, he saw, he sees the vision of what a library, uh, should be a current day, um, so he had an application process. We have about 90 schools in our district and um, 16 schools uh, were going to be awarded with getting this library renovation. 
Uh, and I am so thankful that we are one of the schools. We're actually the very first school to get it. Um, so we kind of led the way, but I was able to, you know, pick out the furniture I wanted. I was able to work with the architect, um, and talk about, you know, what we should demo, what we should keep, like what would work for us and the flow of the pattern, you know, before our, our teaching area was smack dab in the center of the library. Well, now it's on the far, you know, wall. And so we kind of go from kind of you know, teaching area where it needs to be kind of quieter with all the kids who are checking out or coming in to do small group work or even doing maker space. Um, so we have like the, um, the whole group uh, teaching like classroom area. Then we have um, the uh, lounge area where it kind of needs to be quieter. Uh, we've got the small group tables. Uh, everything's on wheels. Even our new bookcases, everything is on wheels and we can change the space and we do change the space all the time. If sometimes it's usually weekly, sometimes it's daily to fit whatever we've got coming in. Um, so luckily again, I've got, you know, a principal who, you know, let me take my vision and run with it. I mean, all the way down to the color scheme. It's just such an amazing, inviting space when you walk in. Usually people walk in who haven't seen it or if they're coming back and they're like, wow, this is such a great space. I am floored because I cannot tell you how many times I've heard from other librarians um, that had no voice when it came to the, uh, the layout, the configuration, the architect would hear them almost. You know, I mean, you get to the point where you could talk to the architect, yet still was disregarded. Yes. So congratulations, your vision to have it come to fruition, I know cannot be more rewarding. The makerspace still is so exciting and the movement has gone so mainstream at this point. You are definitely at the forefront, but it's gone more mainstream. But what I do hear sometimes are people struggling with how to integrate it with a curriculum. Can you talk a little bit about how your makerspace um, assists with your instructional coaching model and how it supports the curriculum? So we, we have we have an extremely open makerspace. Um, the kids come in at any time. We have uh, two makerspace passes um, for every classroom. And some of the classrooms that are kind of larger, we give three, two. But um, like I said, so it's open all day long from first grade all the way to fifth grade. And then we also let kindergarten come in about the semester. Um, so having that in mind, knowing it's for K to five, we really have to have makerspace stations that cater to even the little ones. So um, ours are very open-ended. So we have usually themes for the month. We change our makerspace out every month. So they, um, they, won't, they might not necessarily be, you know, exactly SOL, you know, 1.2 point whatever, um, it might not be those kind of things, um, but it's definitely, uh, everything is STEAM based. So, um, you know, from the blocks that we put out, you know, the Kivas or, you know, what, everything has like a task. So we'll have an open-ended task that says, you know, use these materials to build this and then the kids will do it. Or if it's um, like, for example, music or art month, um, we had some music programs that the kids like actually made their own like chords or they made their own music. Um, so we just, we have everything out. We have about, 
four to six stations depending on um, the month. Um, but everything is kind of integrated together. So it's made for everyone to use at the same time. All those critical thinking skills, all those problem solving skills Absolutely. that are so foundational to all the other types of tasks that kids are being asked to do. Right. And we tell the kids um, a huge rule is you cannot ask an adult for help um, unless it's like a simple, you know, if they don't know how it works like at all, we will definitely help them. But because of, you know, my teaching schedule um, and the, my instructional technology specialist who also helps, we co-plan everything as, as well as my library specialist. Um, the three of us, we co-plan all the activities every month. Um, but, you know, my library media specialist, um, I'm sorry, my library media assistant, she is constantly, you know, up and helping kids with books and, you know, checking out. And um, she has other things going on, so she can't constantly be at Makerspace either. So I will say it took a little bit of time for the kids to realize, you know, you can't constantly go up to, you know, Miss Thomas or Miss Nolette to ask for help. You guys will actually have to think and do it on your own. So they have to um, read the directions, read the task, um, and then they can find another student that they can work with. Um, but yeah, they're kind of on their own. They're left to their own devices to work it out themselves. But that's the exciting part. Absolutely. Because the, don't we all remember more when we have to struggle a little bit? Yes. I'm so disappointed for you that you were not able to receive your Librarian of the Year recognition for the York region um, live and in person. Can you talk a little bit about how you found out that you were awarded this special recognition? Uh, sure. So, um, so the day before the uh, regional conference uh, was at about noon was when they called the conference off. So it was very short notice, um, but you know, it was what it was. These are crazy times we're in. So that was about March 13th. Yes, ours our last day. Um, and I found out on April 10th. So from March 13th to April 10th, I didn't hear anything. So I was like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. That it is what it is. Um, but my principal, she's amazing, Charlene Guerin. She, um, we had a whole group staff meeting with about 90 people. Um, we have um, weekly staff meetings and on the Zoom. And at the beginning of the staff meeting, she does kudos to certain people and does birthday celebrations. And um, that's when she announced it. And I was I was quite shocked because I wasn't expecting it, you know, on April 10th, kind of a month later, but it was, it was very exciting nonetheless. Oh, and how wonderful it was that your staff was able to yes, find yeah. out at the same time. And I can imagine the, the round of applause and. Yeah. The chat room was going crazy because we try oh. to mute ourselves with 90 people. So the chat room was like, Hey, I'm there. great. Congratulations. And <laughs> did the spirit fingers, you know? <laughs> oh, I know that was really special. Yeah. If you had been able to receive this award live, what would you have said? I would definitely say, you know, it, it takes a village. It's there's so many people that come together that kind of either have made who I am or allow me to be who I am. Um, I'm definitely the um, 
um, go-getter, I'm the loud, I'm the dive right in kind of girl. And uh, without kind of my people around me kind of reining it in and, and telling me, okay, that's a great idea, Heather. Now, how are we going to do that? Uh, like my instructional technology specialist who is amazing and teaches me so much with technology. Um, my library media assistant, you know, I couldn't teach all the time or collaborate um, if she wasn't there, you know, helping with all the other stuff. Um, my principal, you know, my administration, um, who gives, is, allows me to have the flexible schedule, um, who allows me to collaborate monthly with the teachers. My superintendent, who had this, you know, forward-thinking, amazing idea, hey, let's renovate these libraries and make them something different, something better, something special. So, you know, it's definitely taken a village to um, kind of let me be who I want to be as a library media specialist in schools. So I'm very thankful. With all of the exciting things that are happening in your library and all the lessons and the, and the instructional coaching and the makerspace, you still find time to heavily focus on reading and finding the perfect book for, the, for each kid. Tell us a little bit about how that works for you, how you promote reading, and what do you say and do when you run across that kid who may not choose reading as his or her first recreational activity? So I am, um, one of my other roles is being the uh, morning news show, um, I guess, director, producer. So I have the privilege of, uh, or the platform of being able to use the morning announcements. So uh, in the morning announcements, um, my assistant principal, Dr. Kelly Padilla, she does a weekly Padilla picks. So she is um, doing book talks with the kids and um, kind of highlighting some of the new things that have come out or maybe some things that don't get checked out enough but are really good, rich literature. So um, when she, as soon as she does that, those Padilla pick books are gone from our space. Um, so that's amazing. So doing book talks in the morning announcements. Um, we also survey the kids um, many times a year and we ask them, you know, what are you interested in? What are some topics? What are, you know, are there series that you like? So we're, I'm constantly getting book lists together. So when I do my book order, I know I have books that are high interest for the kids um, and things that they want. Um, one of my um, favorite quotes um, and that I have posted up in my uh, library learning commons, it's by uh, Frank Serafini, and it reads, there's no such thing as a child who hates to read. There are only children who have not found that right book. And I truly believe that, you know, there's so many different ways for kids to, you know, read nowadays, whether it's, you know, audiobooks. Um, you know, the books that read to them, we have lots of digital platforms, um, or it's like a physical book that kids want, you know, find that right niche for that kid. And if you learn more about the child and, you know, developing relationships with them and um, asking them probing questions about their lives, about their interests, you know, whatever you can do to steer them in the right direction, um, you know, that's, you know, they might not like that one book that you showed them, but you know, when they'll come back, you, you get feedback from them. Cause I try to say, Hey, remember we, we like this or you check this out. And they're like, Hey, I didn't like that. I'm like, what didn't you like about it? So just kind of giving, um, you know, probing questions and just kind of getting a little into their heads to see what they're interested in to steer them in the right direction. Are there certain series or authors that, you know, you simply can't go wrong with these days? I'm at the high school level. So I am just always interested in learning what authors and books and series and such in the at the elementary level are really hot and popular. Oh my gosh, there are 
so, so many. I, pretty much anything that is in a series is is gone all the time. And I've just gotten tons more. And of course, the... And Scholastic Book, and your Scholastic um, Book Fair, that really, um, I found when I was in middle school anyway, was a great way to um, get people interested and, and, um, and highlight some of the newest authors in the newest series. So, and you said you do really well at your book fairs as well. Yes, I know. I'm so sad that our spring book fair had to be canceled due to this pandemic, but you know, it is what it is, but yeah, our book fairs are super successful. We, you know, do different things to bring the kids in and my um, library media assistant has a graphic design background. So, I mean, she transforms the space to this magical book wonderland, no matter what the theme is, it's just, you walk in and, you know, the place is, is immersed in that theme. It's, it's awesome. Oh, you are so fortunate. And you said it takes a village and you have a, such a strong team working with you. So we've talked about the coronavirus a little bit, but tell me a little bit about how that has impacted um, your library program. So maybe you've had to make some adjustments. You've talked about you've had some books on digital platform already. Um, talk a little bit about how that's impacted your library program now and maybe how it might impact your library program going forward. Um, so because of the pandemic and COVID, um, you know, I've kind of had to rethink how um, I approach everything. Well, of course, everything is, is different. Everything's changed. Um, we're super fortunate in Virginia Beach and we have a ton of um, digital and ebook resources um, that are paid for from our division. So our kids, I feel like, are not lacking on that at all. We also have um, an amazing partnership with our public library, and the public library um, has opened up, every uh, student in Virginia Beach has a public library uh, account, um, and, and it's digital, so they get to do ebooks and um, audiobooks and um, even, you know, videos of our um, of books. Mm -hmm. um, so our kids aren't lacking for resources. Um, it's awesome because I've been able to pop into every class and Zoom meetings and, you know, the first name is Thomas, you know, can, can we hear a book? Um, so I have a pile of books on my dining room table. And um, so I just grab one and I'm able to kind of read to them really quickly. And um, so that's been very nice. Uh, my main role, um, to be honest right now, though, is really supporting those teachers and um, helping them feel comfortable um, in their technology. I mean, because completely changing the way that they're teaching um, to this new digital online platform and, you know, creating videos and, you know, maybe I'm used to using the Screencastifies to, you know, put out my lessons, but they weren't used to that. So um, being available, honestly, 24-7, I they have my cell number and they use it. So I get calls all the time and I'm happy to talk to them and help them. And, and sometimes it just takes me um, getting on the phone with them and telling them, you know, you can do it and, you know, put a smile on your face and play that video and, you know, off you go and, and then they're fine. So um, helping the teachers so that they can do their, you know, instrumental work with these kids right now is super important. So I'm kind of that cheerleader, that voice for the teachers to help them out. Do you think that what we're learning now through this distance learning environment will impact your program looking ahead going forward when things get back to quote unquote, whatever normal looks like? 
Yes, absolutely. I really feel like the flipped way to do lessons, you know, I did it a little bit like in my library orientations, you know, year after year, the kids hearing the same thing for me, you know, how to check out, you know, where things are in the library, you know, you know, they got that we're good. So I started totally flipping those um, so that I had more face to face time with the kids when they came in. Um, I think going that way is, is really important um, for me as a library media specialist, um, just so I do have more face to face time when they come in for those lessons. We don't have to, we won't have to spend the background time, you know, showing something like I can show them how to use the technology on the flip lesson and then we can just start diving right in when they come in during lessons. So I think the flipped model is definitely the way to go for me. What kind of technology access do your students have? Do they have one-on-one devices Mm -hmm. and such? Yeah, we are one-on-one with Chromebooks. So, uh, and that's from um, first grade to fifth grade. The kindergarten, they have um, about half devices in their classrooms and then they also have iPads. Uh, So we are one-to-one in our district. Oh, how fortunate. Do your students take their devices home or is it left in school? Um, Right now, all the kids, uh, K to five, have their devices at home. So the coronavirus, 24-7, you're on call, you have your phone, you're answering, you're cheerleading, you're supporting, you're creating, you're reading, all of those amazing things. Is there time for you to do things for yourself? Have you found maybe a a dormant passion that now you have time to resurface? What have you been doing for, um, let's say, fun? Yeah, Uh, for fun and for sanity, I have to get up all the time and I will just go on sporadic walks or bike rides, anything to get moving, get the shoulders, you know, not hunched over your device all day. I've always cooked, so I'm still cooking, but I would definitely say my main focus right now is, you know, getting out of the house, stepping away from the screen and um, going on those walks, those jogs, those, you know, bike rides. So I know my birthday was recently or was recent. And uh, um, the one thing I wanted was a new bike. And of course the bike shop is uh, not open right now to get my new bike. So I'll just use my old bike, which is fine. Um, But yeah, staying active outside has definitely been my sanity. That's the only thing that has been semi uh, doable is the weather has been relatively cooperative. So I'm glad that that's been, um, been available to you to, like you said, keep that sanity going. Yes. So what do you think is going to be your very first thing when everything kind of returns to normal, shelter in place, quarantine measures are lifted and everything is back to normal? What's the first thing you're going to do? I am going to hug people. <laughs> I'm definitely the kids come in the library and they always are running up to me, you know, hugging. Like, you know, those hugs are, are going to be coming uh, definitely more frequently for us. For oh, me. that's so sweet. Yeah. So sweet. I can't thank you enough for joining me today, Heather. I'm so um, excited to learn more about you and your program and uh, learn more about the, um, the initiatives and the makerspace and the configuration of your space that um, accommodates learning, student learning and student engagement so beautifully. And it is no wonder that you were recognized by your peers as Librarian of the Year for Virginia Association of School Librarians, York Region. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and being able to explain uh, everything and my passions and why I love my job so much. 
Absolutely. If anyone had questions, Heather, would there be a way that they could get in touch with you? Do you have a Twitter handle, an email, or a website that you'd like to share? Sure. Um, my email is heather.thomas at vbschools.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is at allentonlms. Um, so you can get in touch with me that way. I'm, I'm always plugged in. So I'm happy to reach out and I'm happy to explain why I love my job so much and share, share the joy. Thank you so much. Have a Thank great you. day. Thank you.